shopping. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow and they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallam and Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey! Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane and Chain back with you again. Today we're going to be breaking down pet peeves. We're going to be, especially while shopping, we're going to be breaking down the 2023 class. Kind of a larger conversation about what Chain and I were talking about last week is trying to set up your team to compete as soon as this 2023 rookie draft has happened to make sure that you're not wasting some of the best years of these young running back careers, right? So we're going to have a larger conversation about that. Shane, how have you enjoyed the first couple bowl games? Um, big, big enjoy or like, yeah, they were all right. Well, I, I had I had fun with, with Western Kentucky App State and the offense yeah. and Bailey Zappi breaking records and everything else was pretty garbage to me. So it was, it was, it was pretty bad uh, to be honest with you. Like, you know, that definitely has gleaned some, some prospects and I'll have my article on this first week, but like some of them were kind of rough. I mean, the Liberty blowout and some teams that I just didn't have much interest in watching overall, uh, not great. I, th- I think bull season getting worse over time and rightfully so. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we do have a guest on today's show, and that is our good friend Kevin at Bois underscore 22 on the Twitter box. Kevin, how have you enjoyed the first couple, you know, the first few games? Let's not count like the first one or two because they were like, Ugh. but like, you know, we had some good ones on Saturday. Yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic than Shane. I, I like it. I, I love college football. So I was I was watching Old Dominion today over Tulsa or Tulsa beat Old Dominion like it, over the Raider game because that's just kind of the degenerate I am. Uh, but I thought like the Coastal Carolina game was great. McCall was great. I love watching that. Uh, BYU UAB was actually a pretty good one going down the stretch. But uh, to Shane's credit, I think the opt outs have definitely hurt the luster of bowl season. I think that's kind of and you know credit to the kids but it just kind of sucks because you don't know who's going to play walker's not playing now like these other guys that have opted out so i think the opt-outs have hurt it a little bit so i guess the the question overall becomes how do how do you make these games a little more competitive then is is it increasing the number of wins needed for a bowl to seven is is that what would make things a little more competitive or or what what can they do or is it just going to be a you know, a continuing decline unless the people that put together the bowls try to put together more competitive games. I saw an interesting idea uh, that they would tie NIL money to bowl game participation. So, like, maybe they'd get bonuses for kids to play in these games. I think that would help maybe the product on the field. I don't know if kids would do it based on injuries and stuff, uh, but maybe they do something like that. We, we start seeing, like, NILs geared to the kids staying in. Uh, but other than that, I don't know, like Hawaii's playing and they're six and seven. And if you've watched Hawaii at all, and I have, cause I love Shavon Cordero, 
they're awful. Like that's an awful football team. Like Grant Todd Graham is an awful football coach, but now they're going to be playing in the Hawaii bowl, which is fine, but I'm not going to watch that game. Yeah. Shane, do you, do you have thoughts? Like what do you think would matter? Right. How much do you think would change if they increased the wins needed to seven? I, I think just the problem you run into is you, you want to have more bowl games, right? Than than that. Like I think it would be interesting. Do but I? You can look at the. I mean, I, I'm not sure you do, but I'm sure they do. Right? <laughs> like, I'm sure the people like the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl needs some teams here. Kane, come on now. Um, Gasparilla Bowl trying to find <laughs> a couple teams. Uh, but you know, I, I think I think you even look at like the Peach Bowl this year, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett's gone, Kenneth Walker's gone, Damari Mathis is gone. Like it's even guys that I don't think are even great prospects that are are gone and leaving and not playing in these games. So I, I think to Kevin's point, yeah, like we can have the smaller. Like it's not bad to have lower bowl games, I guess. Um, but the co- I think co- the coaching changes are an issue too, right? The coaches are leaving. Yeah coordinators are leaving, you know, and if you don't have a quarterback or an offense that's ready for that, like that's going to be a problem. Um, so I think it's just multifaceted. Like I think the NIL thing, like paying kids to play essentially in these games, you know, could be a good option. Um, I, and honestly, I mean, let's just get down to brass tacks, like expanding the playoff as big as you can is ultimately what's going to make this matter because then they're going to play. So like these don't literally mean Jack unless you're in the playoffs. So, you know, let's, let's go ham and let's, you know, I, like I'm all for a uh, FCS style. Let's just ratchet it up and make these ga- the games that matter. Yeah. I, I think ultimately that, that is what's going to happen because then I think you can extend games that matter a little bit more, right? It's not just going to be January games. There's a chance some of those games, you know, extend into December and kind of make that whole season a, a little more exciting, right? But just for instance, if we just look at the Gasparilla Bowl, right? It's Florida versus UCF. That game means a whole lot more to UCF than it does to Florida. Right? right. Like Florida, new coach, but it's the interim coach that's coaching it. The contract for Billy Napier isn't for him in this bowl game you have their leading tackler that's left you have emory jones who's somehow playing because he hasn't technically put his name in the transfer portal yet though he says he's going to you have the leading receiver you know um who is that um coleman or no 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 copeland jacob copeland who is also in the transfer portal. So it's like, what, what does this game actually mean for Florida? Nothing. Uh, Especially uh, with mean, Anthony Richardson hurt. Emory Jones gets his like last hurrah, right? Like he gets the, he said he's going to play and then transfer. So that's, that's, I guess something to watch, but like, yay, you know, <laughs> you know, like, I guess the question is, is, is it just a part where the, Kind of the bowl committee has to just try to make as competitive bowl games as possible, and it's a little more on them than anything else. But you know what? What is I think a question like what is a competitive bowl game? What does that look like? Because I mean, I think what we had Western Kentucky and App State it was a good game, game to me. You know, was a competitive bowl game. So like, is that is that the goal? Like a team like Florida, we just 
don't put anywhere because no matter where Florida is, that it doesn't really matter what they're going to do. So I guess that's the question. How do you really determine who those teams are? And when a lot of these bowl games, it's about money. It's not about the product. They, they could care less about the game, but getting Florida in a bowl game is cash. And that's right. you know, what's going to matter. Or, or did they actually do that with this bowl game? Right. Is because it's an in-state game, right. Against UCF. Some of these Florida guys probably aren't going to want to lose to UCF. Is that about the best that they could have done with this Florida team? You know what I mean? I mean, based on what we saw Florida as this year, probably a little bit. I, I think, to Shane's point, all those weird bull tie-ins, too, like they, 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 that's all about politics and money. There's really – it's hard to, like, manipulate. I wish we could just I, – I guarantee if we – us three got in a room, like, and, I, you know, I, I'll brag about us three. But if we did, I bet you we could come up with better bull games than what they did. Like, hey, this would be a great matchup based on this. And if we just didn't have to worry about money or any of that stupid tie-in stuff. Uh, but, again, it comes down to dollars, and that's unfortunate. Right, it's, especially when you have – from what I've heard, that P.J. Fleck and the Gophers turned down two different bowl games to make mm-hmm. sure that they could – go to so they could go to Arizona because it, a team with a ton of seniors PJ Fleck from what I've from what I'm told um just wanted a great place for them to spend their last you know their last few days before the game as a gopher uh, half, your, I totally half your seniors are coming that. back next year so <laughs> right not all of them we <laughs> don't have Blaze we don't have Coquifed like there with a team that had that many seniors especially super seniors too I I think that's nice but that kind of changes the whole bowl landscape too. Yeah. It's it, it, like I said, it, it's, it's going to be about, I'm sure, I'm sure all these bowl games would be down to just be a playoff game. Like that's probably is great for them. You know, if the peach bowl is just a playoff game every year, then, you know, you're getting two teams that are going to try to win that game. Everyone's going to play. Everyone's tuning in. You know, I, I think that's at the top, what has to happen and the bottom, you know, then depending on how you set that up, the bottom could still have some better teams and better matchups. Maybe there's more freedom. Maybe there's less tie-ins and there's more freedom, kind of like you're saying, Kane, to maybe, you know, make this happen in a little better way. Sure. Well, we got to talk about a little bit of nonsense because that's just who we are here at the Devin Marketplace. And what I specifically wanted to talk about was pet peeves while shopping. Now... I love my wife to death, but sometimes, you know, sometimes you're shopping and you're like, is, can, is there any way we can speed this up? Right. So like one of my biggest pet peeves is she's like, Hey, I want like a, a flashlight kind of like this other one that we have. I was like, sure. So I start looking through the aisles. Right. And she follows me the whole way. And then halfway through, she goes, oh, I need something over like in the automotive section. And I was like, this would be a great time to get it while I look for this flashlight. Right. And she goes, no, let's stay together. And I was like, what is the goal of shopping at that point? Right. Is the goal just to get in, get out? Because I don't want to just be roaming the streets of Menards <laughs> trying to find this flashlight. And then you go over to the automotive session section, which feels like it's 497 feet away. Like, why, you know, just let, let's hurry it up. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I the way I shop is I'm in and out. My wife knows that. So, like, me and my wife don't go shopping that much together because, like, hey, what do we need? Let's go and, and get it. Um, and I've actually done the – I've switched to the grocery shopping now because I, I groceries are expensive. I don't know if you boys know that now. Uh, they're getting really <laughs> crazy. They're getting a little crazy out here, the inflation or whatever's going on. Uh, so, like, my wife has a tendency to buy stuff that we don't quite need. And so, like, I've switched to the – Hey, let me go get in the groceries. Give me the list. Let's go. Um, and then, it, yeah. But I, I agree. I think. I think that yeah, staying with you is not not where I'm at. Hey, I'm in. I'm out. And then I'm gonna go do something else. Especially, yeah. especially when it's like, oh, I kind of want to look at this other thing. I was like, do that. <laughs> like it's. It, she didn't even get anything. She just wanted to look at something. And yeah. it's like, why do I have to be with you for you to look at something? My eyes aren't valuable at the look at portion yeah like i've i've definitely gotten a little bit better i'm I'm with i'm with you guys right i'm like get me in get me out i think even just beyond time just like social anxiety of like being in a grocery store you know i'm like no let me just grab what i need and get out of there like stream especially over the past two years right 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 like get me out so you know i'm I'm the same way I've, i've been a little bit better trying not to force that on my wife, but, um, but kind of, uh, kind of in that same vein of like, okay, we, we can do things separate and be more efficient, like chores or get me like it's the weekend. Like we're, we've got a bunch of stuff to do. We got like laundry to do. We got, you know, got to like change this or clean this. And, and I'm like, okay, like, let me do what I'm good at. Like you do what you're good at. And like, she wants to like do it together. Right. Because, you know, so we can like be together. I'm like, look, I, sh- I just want to get this done. Like, like, so that's, I'm definitely, I'm definitely there. And like, it's, it's not, why can't we be together in an hour once we've like, we're still in the same house together. It's not like we, we are leaving the house to do these chores, right? It's just house chores. So why don't we like meet together in an hour and then we'll like watch something. I will do something together. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't I don't need you to fold a shirt and then me fold a shirt and then you fold a shirt and then me fold like it. It, it doesn't make sense, you know, because you're just going to refold everything I folded. That That's very true, because uh, I got hit with a where did you learn how to fold? And I was like, I don't know. I was raised by a single mom, so I just learned myself. Like, because then you fold clothes just to bring them upstairs to hang them. So it's like, why does the fold 15 minutes before I put them away matter? Also, why fold them at all at that point then? Yeah, if you're so, just going to hang them up. Just hang them up. This, this kind of brings me to another pet peeve. So I want to know if you if my wife is right or if I'm way right here. So she thinks that laundry is done when it's in the basket. But I said laundry is only done when it's actually hung up. What, what do you guys Ooh. think there? She always says, oh, it's in the basket. It's good. I was like, no, you got to hang it up. That's when the chore is over. <laughs> like, are you, it's, it's like the, it's kind of similar to like the hotel thing, right? Just because you've thrown everything near your suitcase, does that mean you're actually like ready to go when we're supposed to go home? Like, no, get things together so we can leave. Well, look, you know? I, no, like I feel like I, I'm I'm going the other way. I think laundry is. I can show you that it's a nice pile of clean laundry I have on this bed here, <laughs> because it's it's done. Tomorrow morning before I go to school, I will pick out clothes from this pile and I will wear them. And so it's done. It's good. They're good to wear. 
I'm good if it's in the basket. That's fine. But right, but I think that's a difference in like the clothes that you have, right? If if I if I literally just do laundry and it's like a few undershirts and like you know socks and underwear and things like that, I don't care if that gets put away right away. But if it's like you know if they're like your nice dress shirts and slacks and things like that, you know I I kind of want those things to be hung up. Eh, you know. I'm variable in that way. I'm the, I will do anything to not iron. I'm oh well, yeah. I I've not ironed. Neither, neither me and my wife ironed. Like, there's not a point. Like, what 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 are we doing? What, Just throw it back in the dryer on wrinkle release. Let's let this bad boy go for 18 <laughs> minutes, and we'll be good. Like, it's fine. Now, I a lot of my a lot of my frustrations seem to like happen in the grocery store. Like now she'll do this thing where like I turn we turn down an aisle because she has to go down every single aisle. It's not like a just if you need it, you go down that aisle, which drives me absolutely bananas. But if we do need something, mm. as I turn down that aisle, she'll go, we need paper plates. And it's like, cool. Let me fight through these 20 people to get exactly to your paper plates. And then she gets frustrated, like, if we don't get there fast enough. And I was like, oh, so if it's something that you want, then we'll move quicker. And it's not a look and see. All right. I, yeah, well, I'm thankful my wife's not like that, at least. We're, we're, we're a little, little bit more focused. But yeah, I, I see, as Kane sounds like your wife just likes to, likes to window shop a little bit, look at everything, you know. But why though? With you, They're with you. Veg, looks like fruit, vegetables. Like, do you need to look at every kind of jello before you just grab one? <laughs> you, you never know what kind of jello. <laughs> just, I know what milk to get. You know, let me just get to the milk, put one in the cart. It's not like we're trying to see what other milks are good. Look for the expiration date. That's the oldest. Right, whichever one's the farthest from now, that's what I'm trying to get. I mean, those are all very valid points, but we're you know how women are. We are married to women, and women don't tend to think like us. We're very simple creatures, Kane. I know because I was like, and the the worst part is right in the back of my mind because we were just shopping today, and it's like there's a football game on. Like I could just be watching football right now, and here I am grocery shopping. <laughs> It just it drives me bananas. Um, any other quick pet peeves? I know, I know, a big one of mine gotten in a lot of arguments on Twitter about this one is that I don't believe that people should clap and cheer in a movie theater. Oh man, yeah, you, you got crushed. Because guess, guess what happens? So Shane, you start talking. So just start saying a sentence. Well, you know, today I was looking at this thing. Kevin, did you hear any of that? No, weird. No. <laughs> like and then, and then people say well if you didn't want cheering then don't go to like one of the first few days and I was like so it's okay for them to ruin the movie the first few days for people <laughs> and then it changes at some point we're like nah now let's abide by our social customs but I think we've created a new social custom right of the cheering like, I feel like that is a lot more commonplace now. Like, that but, norm has been created. But that feels like it's a social custom to ruin things for other people. Ruin things for... Because like, I don't... But when, because I think people are just less considerate now. <laughs> I, feel like that's, I feel like that's taking it taking it pretty far. Like, when you went and saw... 
I don't Spider-Man? just was that, jump. Was, was it, was it I don't just jump. I leap, baby. You just leap right there. It was Spider-Man, right? You went and saw. Yep. Did yep. the majority of people cheer and clap? About in the movie 50, 50 And some people were very unhappy that it was happening. Yeah. Because I don't. We're not going to spoil any bits of the movie, no, no, but like but if you've seen some, the movie, yeah. there's times where you can understand why people were excited, right? Right. Because here's the biggest issue that we run into is that when you're already in a movie theater where people are excited and they tend to have a little more yeah. chitter chatter than you should be having at movies, guess what happens after the cheering and clapping? Right? Yeah. More chitter chatter. So not only can you not hear because of clapping and cheering, also additional chitter chatter occurs. And here you are, yeah. not hearing more. To your point, we went to the end game. I remember I took a bunch of kids that I was teaching. We went to the opening night at 12 p.m. of end game before I had kids. And so we went and it was everybody would cheer at certain parts. And we missed like a minute after. And like it was important to hear those parts. So I remember I don't I'm not as big as a non-clapper truther as you came. But I do remember that movie. I was like okay can you guys shut up please because there were certain spots that like i didn't hear like on the left you know when he came in and you know he comes back he says on the left but we didn't hear that because all we heard was everybody cheering um and so like i missed little moments in there and i did get kind of i got a little perturbed because because i think it's people deciding that they're what they're doing in the movie theater just means more than what other people are doing in the movie theater I, yeah like look i I would be fine with banning the cheering, clapping. T- like I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I've been in enough movie theaters, people talking. Like I'm, I'm out on that. Right? They should like get have to drink a shot of Ipecac. Like <laughs> if you cheer, you have to take Ipecac. I can imagine the like high school kids working at the movie theater. Like, all right, I got to bring the Ipecac in. Let's just, you know, sir, you gotta uh, take a shot. Of- um, but you know, I, I do, th- I do think there is a sense of this kind of community like when that happens right you're like sharing this experience this kind of communal experience of cheering like there's an energy after brings (laughs) you can talk afterwards it's not talking right it's like it's that communal experience of like yeah we're excited together not being able to hear the movie (laughs) i I mean true true but and that grinds my gears so like as a theater guy right this happens on broadway um often if you go to like a broadway show right and a big actor comes out people will cheer uh right i mean clapping happens after musical numbers right the nice thing with a live show is like the actor generally can stop sometimes though it happens in the middle of a song and then you like can't like the music's going to keep going you know and that happens um so this is how i since you brought up theater this is how i would equate this to theater right is let's say we're sitting next to each other we don't know each other Right, we see Annie. Let's say just you know, we're watching a, a Broadway performance of Annie, and I'm sitting next to you. Your favorite. And as yeah. tomorrow starts playing, and they yeah. start singing, I I just go next to you. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I, Would that I, be terrible? I yeah. think that I think that is a false equivalency. It's <laughs> not. I, no, I I think that would be the person next to you reciting every line of the movie as you're watching it, and then everyone in the world would say that's wrong. Right. Like if the person next to you in a movie theater was saying every line of the movie uh, loudly as you watched it, like I think everyone would be against it. It's another instance where I wouldn't be able to hear. But but like I could 
bring uh, a lawnmower to the movie theater and have it blaring like and you couldn't hear and i don't think anyone would say that's acceptable right it's like there's certain kind of boxes that maybe like the cheering's okay but, but... i'm saying that nothing's acceptable <laughs> i understand that's that the... you are you are the grin show of the of the movie theater but i it's... want silence <laughs> you should think twice on if a joke's truly funny right like... i don't want a half-hearted <laughs> No, if it's funny, like laugh, but you get like a quick laugh. It's not like a there's that. Do you remember there was this big push like when I was going to school that there was a, a stoplight that people would put in their classrooms, right? And when it's silent, it would be a, the green light would show, and as volume would go up, then it would go to a yellow light. Which this is terrible classroom management. Just in case anyone's listening is is curious, terrible way to manage your classroom. Uh, and then if it got too loud, then the red light would show. So you so you could bring your tone back down, right? I want it green light always in a movie theater. Just just out. Like just don't don't try to ruin things for other people. You know? I don't think talk it's about, supposed to be about the movie afterwards. Yeah. But guess goal. what? No one can hear you. Right. The actors like it's not like the director is running the film and he's like, yeah, they loved it. Yeah, that's true. I, I do not applaud after a movie because I not like Paul stupid. Feig's just hanging back there like, I hope they like it. I hope they like it. Here it comes. <laughs> like I, I do always feel... on, at least on Broadway, like they did the big number and you're like, yeah, that was really, really great. Right. We should yeah. clap for that. Like a feedback. Right. Yeah. Now, when people clap at the end of a movie. I I I feel, I feel awkward. Like, yeah, no one care. Like, no one like cares. Like, that's fine. They they're looking at the money you bite, bought the ticket with. That's see. Here's the here's the kicker for me. If you cared so much about this Spider-Man movie that you were cheering and clapping through it, and then you don't stay for the post-credit scene, <laughs> like, right. then the movie didn't mean much to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I just the quietest it was was during the post-credit scene. Because over half the people left. Just, I can't. Let, I'm fired up. Shane, you want to introduce the next segment here? Because I just, I got to take a breather. Yeah, so, something we talked about last week as, as Kane tries to calm down, does a little bit of yoga over there just to kind of get everything out. Um, we talked last week about, you know, setting up your team for the 2023 class. Specifically, if you're going to draft B. John Robinson, right? you want a team that's ready to compete when you draft him, because as we're looking at these running backs nowadays, um, it, it is year two, year three, you know, rookie years that are really mo the most beneficial to your fantasy squad. And so I think it's important to kind of look at this 23 class. Cause I think it extends beyond him. You know, I think um, maybe a good course of action is setting up a good team He's still getting some of these 2023 picks and being able to have a competitive team where you can add a Bryce Young, you can add a Bijan, you can add a Jameer Gibbs, you know, you could add a, a Kayshawn Boutte and I think ride them early in their careers. Um, Cause I think, I think a lot of those guys are going to produce really early on. Yeah. And I think probably the first thing we could do, if, let, let's say you're just listening to this podcast for the first time. Not really sure. You've heard a lot of things about the 2023 class. You're just diving into dynasty, right? Like what does that 23 class actually look like and why is it important? I think that I let's start there. 
right? So, Kevin, how do you feel about the quarterbacks? Let's start quarterbacks. We play a lot of super flex leagues. How do you feel about the quarterbacks of the 23 class? Uh, you know, that's the one area where I'm not as, I don't feel as strong about, I think Bryce is great. Bryce has always been my QB one. I love Bryce CJ though. I still feel like has question marks. I know Shane's an Ohio state guy, so he'll yell at me, but I do, I do think that there are some legitimate question marks with CJ accuracy. Can he, can he play in NFL? If fields continues to struggle and this is a bad argument, but it's going to be an argument that you see is the Ohio state quarterback thing. Fields can't do it. That system. You're going to see all that. So I do think that value will drop a little bit on Stroud. Um, I like Stroud, though. He's still my my QB2 of that class. Uh, but overall, when you're looking at the quarterback class, unless some other guys jump up, I know some big fan, guys are big fans of Tyler Van Dyke. I'm not there yet on him. Anthony Richardson, uh, I don't know. He's been hurt. He's good. He's athletic. But can he put it together? I think there's a lot of question marks in that class. Uh, that would be the one area, like, if you're looking for a quarterback, it's Bryce right now. CJ, if you're willing to, like, bet on that talent. And after that, I think there's a there's a little bit of a gap. Uh, and and where that where does, this, does someone rise from this? I don't know. There's a lot of – there's a lot of, like, C2C quarterbacks in this class. I don't necessarily think they're NFL quarterbacks. Shane, do you feel similarly about the, uh, about the QB class? I know. I, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah, I'm a little higher on CJ Stroud, but um, I think, and Tyler Van Dyke, but I think it's projection in a lot of ways, right? You know, like we do with this quarterback class last year, we kind of projected, okay, so Spencer Rattler takes the next step. Oklahoma, he's going to be really good. He's yeah. going to be a top pick. And then, you know, he stunk. So like that could happen, you know, Bryce Young could just be really bad next year. Yeah. I don't think it will happen, but you know, it could. Uh, and we don't really have wiggle room for error. Kind of what Kevin was saying, like after those two, it's like, eh, you know, what are we really getting now? I think the other side, if you look at, you know, so like we're looking at 2022, uh, that quarterback class where how kind of dropped off a little bit, Rattler dropped off a ton. And now we just don't have anyone that's like that great. Uh, the flip side is maybe you could have a 2021. Cause I, I do think we still have, upside players like Tyler Van Dyke, like Anthony Richardson, like Kevin mentioned, maybe DJU gets it back. Right. Um, and so, you know, if we were looking at the 2021 class, we knew we had Lawrence and Fields. We didn't really know much else going into that year. Um, you know, there was some Trey Lance buzz, but not nearly where he was kind of, I would say similar to Anthony Richardson, like, okay, here's an athletic guy. What's he going to do? So I think it's possible that you have you know, so, someone like a, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson kind of come out of nowhere. And maybe you have a guy that kind of stabilizes themselves like a Phil Jurgovic that's like, oh, he's not great, but, you know, the team's overdrafted him. You know, like, I think we could turn, it could turn into a good quarterback class with some progression. Um, and, and I think we have a rock solid guy at the top. I think that's enough to buy, for me to buy in. Then let's, let's hit the next position here. Cause this is, I think the biggest one, right? If we just look at the running backs, we know that running backs seem to matter the most for dynasty in their first contract window. And the cheapest price to get those running backs for the most part is during rookie drafts. Right. And I think this is one of the best running back classes that we've had since. Do you think it's another 2020 class Shane? Or better? Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think it's in that wheelhouse for sure. All right. And that's obviously the, the draft where we had, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and CEH who got a first round pick and you know quite a few running backs that were pretty nice in that one um and I think this one I think we have better quantity and I think 
maybe some higher tiered guys potentially coming in that that will have more hype than this 2020 class. Am am I wrong there, Kevin? No, I don't think you're wrong. I do think, like Shane's talking about, though, I, I do think with some of these guys, we're still projecting, right? Like Tank, Bigsby, we saw him kind of interesting. He kind of gave it in a little bit this year uh, to his backup. Zach Evans has bounced around. He's had a kind of an interesting kind of career already, and he's in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Jameer Gibbs has looked great. I think in PBR formats, he's there. He's in the transfer portal, too. Like, and so I, and I love Sean Tucker. I think Tucker's going to be a guy that we're going to talk about having value. Blake Corum is in there. I like Devin Achain, even though he's 185 pounds, maybe Eric Gray, your guy, like there's some depth in this list. Uh, but I do think we're still projecting some of these guys to be better than they are. And we could realistically temper our expectations a little bit, just because what happens if Evans goes somewhere and maybe he has 700 yards rushing, maybe he has an Eric Gray like season this year. And, you know, well, now, you know, Evans has got to come back again. So now there goes one of those guys. Um, and I, I just think that I, I'm, I, I think it's a great class. I just I like to temper my expectations a little bit, especially with guys moving around. Where are they going to go in the portal? Will they have it? I think Bijan is there. I love Gig, uh, Gibbs and I love Evans. But as big of an Evans believer as I am, he's got to produce. Shane, you have thoughts? I, I, I'm I'm kind of I feel like similar to the quarterback class. Argue kind of similar way. Like I agree with everything Kevin said. Like it, it could it could go wrong. There's definitely that opportunity for this to go wrong, and you know, player to fall out. Probably one will. Um, I think we still have an opportunity. We'll see how these last couple declarations go. You know, could we have uh, a Tyler uh, Algier? Could we have Jerome Ford, Zach Charbonnet? You know, one of these guys go back to school. They're older. They blow you know blow up. You know, I think that could happen. We're always going to have someone come out of nowhere. We're going to have a Clyde edwards Lair. We're going to have a Javante Williams. We're going to have a Kenneth Walker. Like, it's going to happen. It's going to be somebody that's not in our top five, probably top ten right now. Um, and then I think you always have those couple players who, like, aren't amazing, but maybe we'll get round three drag. You know, Kendall Milton, like – probably going around three and maybe it's a good situation. And now he kind of gets pumped up and now his class is a little bit better, right? Like things like that always happen after the draft. So I, you know, I, I think Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Tank Bigsby and Zach Evans all are very, very good players uh, and will, you know, showcase that even if, you know, even if someone like Tank ends up being like the RB2 at Auburn next year and Jaquiz Hunter takes over, I think he still has the requisite NFL talent to be a day two pick that's enough for fantasy like we don't need guys to go around one anymore even though i think a couple of these players will so yeah there's, there's depth questions um when you start getting into round two or three of your rookie drafts uh late round two round three but i think the first like the first round of 2023 is going to be stacked with these running backs i think you're going to have four or five at the very least uh be you know draftable in that range and that's fairly rare I think nowadays for running backs. Not to mention if you add in some of the top tier wide receivers. Yeah. Right. Which I believe the best wide receiver in all of college football is Keishon Boutte. Right. The wide receiver from LSU who the injury kind of stopped his season. We don't know if he's going to play next season um, under this wishy-washy uh, Southern accent of Brian Kelly. Not really sure, right, how, if he's going to play or not. We're going to bring up that accent as many times as we can, Shane, just because it's one of the funniest <laughs> videos I've seen. It's happened every week for about three weeks since it happened-ish, but it's worth it. 
Um, but two really great wide receivers, right? And Keishon Boutte and Jordan Addison, who just won the Blitnikov, right? Two really, really good wide receivers. And definitely some guys that if they continue and sustain their production this coming season, they're going to be, you know, easy top 50 picks, right? Whether that's someone like Quentin Johnston, um, whether we see Marvin Mims continue to succeed and kind of have closer to his freshman season than he did this past season, right? There's some guys that have that chance to, to make that jump. And so the question is, is this enough for, for us correctly being crazy about this 2023 class? I guess that's probably the biggest question. I think it is. I mean, you've got, I mean, JSN, right? Like I think JSN is top two in that category as well. Like I love JSN and his talent there and he's going to be the clear option there. Yeah, no, I love this class. I don't want to be a Debbie downer. I, I just, I think this class is great. Like the wide receivers options and like what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, these running backs, we've seen the, their value, you know, you got to give them that first contract. Like if your team's not in position just trade back and get these wide receivers because you can really build a solid core around these guys in this first round. Uh, you could get realistically two wide receiver ones in this class. And I think Quentin Johnson, I'm glad you brought him up. I think he could really kind of, he could get there, especially in this offense now, and he's going to put up, he's going to produce as well. So we're going to see that production go up. I love him. I love those guys there. Uh, you're a little higher on Addison than I am, uh, but he's, he, those guys are solid. I mean, you're looking at probably what for the first 18 picks, legitimate, like, hey, they may be a wide receiver one or running back one in the league. I, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think I think there's kind of those rock solid four receivers: Booty, um, you know, Butte, Addison, Johnston, JSN, whatever order. Um, that's not the order I have. And then I just round them off. I can think of, and, and as Kane said, maybe Ohio guys like State always last. Yeah, like Kane <laughs> said, maybe uh, you know, maybe. Marvin Mims, maybe Parker Washington, Josh Downs. Yeah. I mean, Dante Demas is going back to school. Like he could end up being a top 50 pick in the NFL draft. You know, I think we could have some of these players that we may not even be high on end up going highly. And so I think like, like Kevin said, um, you know, the top 18 picks of this 2023 rookie draft is going to be really good. Can, can I ask you guys something with these receivers? How many of these receivers right now would, you know, not factoring in, I guess the extra year you'd have to wait. Would you take over all of the receivers of the 2022 class? Um, one. I, no, one. I would take Garrett Wilson ahead of. I don't know. Not a Butte. I, I think I'd think. take Butte yeah. over all of them because I believe he's the yeah. best receiver in all of college football right now. But besides yeah. him, I think. There's still, I still want to see a little bit better play from some of these guys, right? I want to see if they can actually handle an offense and be the main guy consistently and not just a flash in the pan type season. You know what I mean? That makes sense. I think it's an interesting comparison because this 22 class, I think kind of is getting flack out there in general, even the receivers, not that like they're bad, right? But that people just don't feel we just got went through like Jamar chase, right? Like people don't feel like they have that guy. And so I do th I, like, I feel like Boutte is that guy. Um, but I think the, the other, the next three are kind of on that same level of Garrett Wilson of Traylon Burks, you know, these kind of tie end 22 guys as well. If you want to get a comparison for what you're looking at right now. No, I, I completely agree. Right. But the, the main reason why I wanted to bring all this up is how do we then accurately prepare for hitting in this draft class, right? Yeah. 
let's assume all of our picks go correctly in the 2023 draft. What team do I need to kind of put around these players for it to matter? Well, I, I mean, I don't know about your guys' philosophy, but for me, like, I'm not rebuilding for four years. Like, I'm rebuilding, like, max two. Like, if I'm looking at my roster, I'm saying, okay, if I can't win this year, how can I win next year? So, like, that's how I kind of go into my drafts, and I look and say, so, like, I don't do those big – you know when they put on, like, uh, Twitter, oh, I have 15 firsts the next three years. Like, that that's not me. Like, I don't do that kind of thing. So, like, I go into it knowing, like, hey, if I can compete this year, I'll take those running backs. If, if, if I know that, hey, I might need to kind of push it a little bit, I'll do some maneuvering. I like trading back. I'll build the wide receivers and then look forward to that next running back class and get any of the top two guys and try to grab it that way. Like, that's how I do it, but I'm going to make sure that I compete within two years. Like, I'm not the – I like winning money, so I don't like to rebuild for, like, five years. I think it's always about, um, you, you, you know, kind of what Kevin was saying too. Like I, I am going to, if I have a middle of the road team, a bottom end playoff team, sell some of those assets for 23 picks and they're going to be expensive and rightfully so. Um, but I think it's important like to build a team that can compete while also adding picks. Like it's not a bad thing. If you have, yeah. you know, like, like I have a team, I have Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett's good. Tyler Lockett might help me win a title uh, or help me in the playoffs getting the money. I'm going to sell them after this year. I'm going to try to get a low end 2023 20, first or high end 2020 or the high end second. Right. And like, because I think the receivers in this class are going to be better than Tyler Lockett for me in a year or two. And I think they will. And so like my team's still going to be good. I don't need Tyler Lockett, but I can sell him. I can get more 23 pieces and still have a good team. I can still have Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert sitting there for me. And uh, you know, so I think that's the kind of way to, to play this a little bit. And maybe your team takes a little bit of a hit next year. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably decent at fantasy football enough to like work the waiver wire and work good trades and get value and still compete and contend, even giving away some assets for 23 picks, even if you have to overpay a little bit um, because the, the hype is there. I think it's, I think it could be worthwhile. And I think it's worth really exploring, like not just saying, Oh, I'm rebuilding. My team stinks. I'm going to go for this, obviously. But if your team's good, then you have assets that are valuable. So you can trade those assets now before they lose value for 23 picks that like this class, even if uh, the worst case happens and some of these top guys like stink or go back to school, I think it's still going to be a good enough class. A couple new guys will emerge. Those picks will be worthwhile. You can even trade them later for something if you're competing or contending. I think you can gain value that way. But let, let's get some names associated with this, right? If if I'm building a team with the assumption that I'm getting Bijan Robinson in 23, right? That means for the most part, I've probably I want to make sure that I have quarterbacks on my roster that are going to compete compete in like 22, 23, possibly in 24, right? I want to make sure that I have wide receivers that sure they can be a little older um, because they'll be a little cheaper that way. Um, but I want to make sure that they're that they're putting up good fantasy points. So as soon as I put Bijan Robinson on my team, my yeah. team's ready to ascend. My it's not it's not a oh I have Jonathan Taylor. And like, I don't even know if I can get the the sixth spot in the playoffs, right? That's not what we want here. 
right? We want we want Bijan Robinson to be added to the team to absolutely explode. So who are some wide some let's start at quarterback. Who are some quarterbacks that you believe will kind of be those guys in 24 or excuse me, in 2023, 2024, 2025 that we should be trying to stock our team with with the addition of Bijan Robinson to really make that explosion into a top two, three team in a fantasy football league. Go ahead, Shane. You can go first. Yeah, I, you know, I will say I th- I think the way to look at it can be, okay, who are some players that maybe are a little bit older that have decreased in value that I can get? Someone like a Russell Wilson, right? I could probably get for a decent price right now, and he's, he's going to be around in five years. Maybe it's a new team, whatever. You know, I think he's going to be a competitive quarterback, 23, 24, 25. I think a Dak Prescott, if he continues to have kind of a bad – second half of the season, maybe has a bad playoff game. Like, I think you could probably get him cheaper. Like, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be in an offense that's centered around his passing. And then I think, look, you know, it's maybe it's a little more risky, but I think you can look at the 2021 class. Can I trade for Trevor Lawrence? Can I trade for Zach Wilson? Can I, you know, can I trade for these quarterbacks? Are people giving up on Trey Lance? Like, maybe I can trade for these guys who are going, aren't going to get worse because they really can't you know, are going to get better at the very least. And, you know, I have the rushing abilities of, you know, someone like a Trey Lance or a Trevor Lawrence that probably will get utilized um, in the future. That's enough. And that could be competitive. So that, those are kind of the two ranges that I'm looking at. That's fair. I, you know, for me, it'd be like Stafford. If you can maybe get into like after this year, like, Hey, he's 33. Maybe, maybe his playoff run doesn't go that well. Like you have him for a couple of years and you're kind of looking at that for like two to three year range. But the guy that I was going to mention, and I'm glad you brought him up. It was Trey Lance. I love Trey Lance. I think that people have seen like, Oh, well, he hasn't been out of Jimmy G yet. I do think there's some maneuverability there. One way, one way I was doing this was when Russell was hurt with his finger, I was trading Russell for Trey Lance plus assets. And so what I have on a couple of teams where I'm kind of borderline, I got rid of Russell. I was able to get Trey Lance. And then I got actually a 2023 first with for Russell coming into a contender who was ready for it. And so like, that's how I was kind of using it. Russell was the number one guy that I was trying to use to get Lance to get a little younger, but on the assumption that next year Lance will take over. And then if you get Bijan after that, now you kind of have a good young nucleus and that's, that's a dynasty team right there. No, I, I agree. Maybe even a target is the person that probably gets more hate as a quarterback, which is Tua. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think, because I think Tua is going to be a starter somewhere, right? And that's enough for a QB2. Yeah. The fact that they're a starter on, on that second contract, right? Especially when we're trying to predict, you know, two, three, four years away. On Conversely, if we, if we don't look at the, the uh, quarterback position anymore, who are maybe some wide receivers that you're trying to have on your team for this run in 23, 24, 25? Are you still trying to go after some of the older guys? Do you think they'll still be around and like the Keenan Allens, the Adam Thielens, or it has they really shifted to that next tier of wide receivers, whether it's the Michael Pittman Juniors, the T Higgins, the, you know, Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore, Devonta Smith type tier. Is that, is that the target that you want to build around? even though maybe none of them are a clear wide receiver one. Uh, Go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just saying the guy that comes to mind right now is Calvin Ridley. So like if you, if you trust that he'll be back and I know that's a little bit of a risk, 
Uh, but I do think he'll come back. I think the guy that you try to go grab is Calvin Ridley. Uh, and I think that there's some value out there for him right now, uh, especially just with dynasty teams. If you're, if your dynasty doesn't have a trade deadline, which it shouldn't, and don't get me on that rant, but if you, it, it shouldn't, you should be looking for Calvin Ridley right now on, on contending teams that need it. Like, so I'm working on a deal right now in a 16 team league with a guy that has Calvin Ridley, but he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a wide receiver. He just lost Godwin. So now I'm trying to get Ridley, and I think that would be a good guy for the next three years to build around. Another guy, if you want to go a little younger, why not Devonta Smith? If they can improve that quarterback situation or whatever, he gets those targets. I think Devonta didn't have as big of a year as people had thought, but I still believe in Devonta. Uh, and those type of guys, I think I, those are the guys I really want to target. Um, even even the other guys, I think they're in that mid-tier. I like for that 26, 27-year range, get them to the 30 and kind of compete that way. I'm I'm actually very fine going after uh, some of those wide receiver twos as well. Obviously, they're going to be more costly, but like you know, T. Higgins, I th- I think you you brought up Kane. I think is a good player to go after. Like people are still going to be scared away by Jamar Chase, and uh, you know what is it like? Some of these wide receiver twos will ascend as you know at some point. Not all of them. Most of them will stick in that wide receiver two range. But I think take players like with talent, like T. Higgins, like Terry McLaurin, if he gets a quarterback, like, you know, that that, I think that ascension can happen to wide receiver one. So kind of take your shots on those guys or go, you know, a step lower. Um, I would say like a Marquise Brown, I think, is one of those players that can come a little cheaper. That's a wide receiver two rock solid, but people treat him like a wide receiver three. Then on the other end, I do think some of the older, quote unquote, players um, can be values. You know, someone like Mike Evans, who's 28, and guess what? At age 30, he's probably still going to have a 1,000 yards and a decent amount of touchdowns. You know, so if you want to compete in 23, like, go grab Mike Evans. You know, uh, go grab Brandon Cooks. Like, you know, these guys are going to – their value is going to get shot in a year just because of age, no matter what they do. And so um, you can really position yourself maybe at some point next year to trade for those players with – you know, for your Gabriel Davis, your Darnell Mooney or whatever, and have a team of viable starters when you get a Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I think another one of those guys too, especially after the injury, is uh, Chris Godwin. Right? I think Chris Godwin is going to sign somewhere, right? He's playing on the franchise tag. Could be a little cheaper. It might be on a one-year prove-it deal, provided he can come back healthy after the ACL. I think that's one guy that's a pretty solid target um whatever you believe about mike williams like i think mike williams ends up getting paid this season because there's not a ton of free agent wide receivers i think there's a few good ones and i think that mike williams is one of those good ones so maybe you want to see what he costs in your league but i think i think trying to understand what you want your team to look like when you do draft these running backs, I think that matters a whole lot about trying to make sure that you have the right roster construction so you can compete. Because yeah. no one wants to draft Bijan and then get bounced from the playoffs round one. And then because you were hoping that your team was just going to be better because you were relying on a lot of, you know, what if you're relying on all your 2023 picks, right? And Bijan hits and your wide receivers take a little bit of time to compete. 
right? It, they take a little bit of time to score fantasy points. Some of the other running backs that you were also banking on didn't didn't really do that. Or you're also trying to bank on getting a quarterback or two in the 2023 class. And they went to a terrible team like Trevor Lawrence and didn't put up the fantasy points that you wanted him to. I think a lot of things can happen that you just have to try to make sure that you understand what your risk is, what that risk portfolio looks like. Because as soon as you're overextended, you're not going to be in the greatest position to use Bijan to his fullest extent in value. And you're going to end up wanting to trade him for a boatload because your team isn't ready to compete. Yeah, I think that's the biggest mistake dynasty managers do. And you're right. And then they're sitting there and then they have Bijan what? Like kind of like if you have held on to Zeke till like this year and you're ready to compete and you've seen that kind of decline over the last couple of years and you see it like, and he's great. I love Zeke, but you see that kind of not what he was putting up. And then you're what, eight and six in your fantasy teams. And that's kind of how I, I see a lot of teams do that. And then you can't get rid of Zeke for the top when you're trying to do it because most guys that do that or, or girls, so I don't want to be that guy, but they, that they play like that. They, they think that they can just always get rid of Zeke there, but they hold on way too long and in the declining asset. And then you're kind of screwed. And that's how you kind of ruin dynasty teams. Yeah, and I, I think if if you have a team where you've had some issues, um, I mean, I'm, I'm completely fine with like shopping it all for 23 picks, like trying to take the 2023 first round and it's going to cost you everything but you probably can build a decent team of those rookies. Like that's the other extreme end. You know, like Kevin said, it's probably not a smart strategy, uh, right? Those people with like, I have 12 picks in the next three years, um, but it, it can be dumb. Like if you're committed to it, you just have to commit to it. And then depending on the league, I think you can do it. But as, as Kane has been talking about, as Kevin's been talking about, it is crucial. Like if you can set yourself up with a couple pieces, even if it's just two, two quarterbacks and super flex to just have as a central piece, like, you know, you want to, to, to be able to have that um, and kind of do both at the same time. So um, I, I think it's good advice that gets lost when we just talk about how good a class is really how to obtain those picks and how your team should look uh, when you're trying to get those. Right. Cause we always hear the why the 23 class matters, but yeah. sometimes we don't get the strategy of how to make them matter the most for your fantasy teams. But it wouldn't be a Debbie Marketplace episode without Shane trying to teach me something about history. So, Shane, feel free. Look, it's Christmas week, so I think we got to talk about um, a one guy who might, I think after this might be one of Kane's most hated people in history, and that's uh, our boy Oliver Cromwell, the former Lord Protector of the Commonwealth of the UK, Scotland, and Ireland, right? Uh, Oliver Cromwell. Um, and Parliament actually banned Christmas in 1644. Parliament passed a law. Cromwell, Come on, Oliver. Cromwell enforced it when he when he came into power. Um, and their issue was Christmas uh, is getting a little too Catholic for those Protestants that took back over the reigns of England from the Catholics. And so literally over time, like every year, because people keep trying to celebrate Christmas, they keep passing laws to get people to try to not. So like if you had a shop, you had you were forced to stay open on December 25th. Um, they actually barred churches so no one could go in a church because it's another day. You, know, you can't go to church. Um, the, and guards would go, the, the final struggle, guards would go house to house and look in your house 
and see if you had any type of festive decorations. Even if you had like a fancy bottle of wine or a turkey, it was a little too big. You might be trying to feed more people. You're going to get a fine from the government. She might be celebrating Christmas. Um, so luckily after about 20 years, Charles II brought it back. But people had kind of forgotten how to celebrate Christmas, right? Like 30% of adults had never celebrated Christmas in England because it was banned for so long. And so, um, so a lot of traditions were lost uh, during that time. And that's how, you know, even a lot of the kind of pagan celebrations that we, um, that we, that we use now here uh, came out of that. So Oliver Cromwell banning Christmas. It's not going to be a Kane's Christmas card list this year. Ollie, come on, man. <laughs> Just be better. Um, we'll, we will continue a Christmas discussion on the Patreon, uh, on the Patreon pod. So, you know, patreon.com slash Debbie Marketplace. If you need to just peep on over for that. Look, we, we're, we're drafting Christmas carols. I, I think people are going to want to hear Kane, Kane and me drafting Christmas carols against each other. So if you draft the most hated song that I, Christmas song that I have, it's, it's my last, it's my last round pick, baby. Get <laughs> ready. Just get ready. Patreon.com slash Debbie Marketplace. Uh, you can, you can listen. I'm be fired up, but let's just dive into our buys and sells here because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the 23 classes as a kind of, you know, we've been gearing this discussion over the past couple of weeks and making sure that this discussion is really helpful for people. Um, I kind of wanted to give the old 23 class only buy, sell an unknown stock. Um, so my buy, I know it's going to be expensive, but you should still make sure you're out there trying to buy Keishon Butte. He is an absolutely incredible wide receiver. And if you have a nerd like Nelly in your fantasy football league, if he has another incredible season when he plays, like it, it he's going to check every single analytics box. He checks just about every film box. Right? So make sure that you're, you're out there trading for him. Um, a guy that, that I'm not as high on and, I'm going to just continue to attack Nelly, uh, but it's Sean Tucker. I am not as high on Sean Tucker as some of these other running backs. I see it as a big four. People are some starting to include it into a big five. And I just, I don't see that at this point. Um, I st still think he has some work to do to be able to get into that tier. Um, so if someone is including him as one of those top running backs, totally fine trading him away. Um, a guy that that I'm not 100% sure what to do with, and I'm going to be the most homer person here, but that's Muhammad Ibrahim, right? You have an older running back that's coming back to school for another year after a torn Achilles in the first game against Ohio State that Minnesota was going to win if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. You know, like, right, Shane? Like, so many things could have happened in that game if Mo, Mo Ibrahim doesn't get hurt. Like he played really, really well against a good defense. And so the question is, how are we supposed to value him when he's going to be going to the league like 23, 24 years old? He's going to be an old guy and he's not going to get first round draft capital like Najee Harris. So I don't, that's one person I just don't know what to do with. But in C2C leagues, I probably pick him up because he's going to be the main guy in that backfield. And I might as well try to get as many points as possible. How about you, Shane? Uh, my buy is uh, Isaiah Likely, tight end for Coastal Carolina. Just came off a really good bowl game, um, which uh, Kevin talked about before. Uh, I, I think Likely 
you know, is really showcasing some good quickness and speed. I think there's a chance for him to be the tight end three in this class. And right now he's kind of, you know, being treated as an afterthought. So I think, you know, in, in a C2C especially is where people might have him. You might be able to get him cheap uh, before the draft happens, before the combine happens, depending on how your, you know, league trading goes. I think he might be a guy to target if you need a tight end and want to take a lottery ticket on an athletic pass catching guy. My cell is John Mechie, uh, received for Alabama. Even with the injury, uh, just the conversations I've had around the draft with people, people even in our Patreon chat, like, you know, that, hey, if Mechie declares, he's still going to be a top 100 pick. Uh, you know, like, that's why it's wild to me. He didn't have a great year. And the ACL, MCL tear, like, there's a lot of bad things going wrong for him. Well, and it seems like there's some people out there that still, the name, the Alabama like the hype that he kind of got coming into the year, still buying in a little bit. You know, the the numbers don't look bad. I, I just don't think he's that good of a player and has an injury. And, you know, w- what's really going to happen with him? I, I would sell him for what I can uh, anywhere I had him. Shane, My, I, like, I like how you said Patreon chat when you actually just mean me. Oh, uh, yeah. You and I, I had this you. conversation. <laughs> oh, look, I was in the Patreon chat. Uh, I forgot. I just forgot. It was, it was me. Was oh, well, sell him, Kane. Don't sell them to me. So, sell them to Kane if you can, which some yeah. of you might be able to. So. <laughs> um, my unknown is is a guy one of Kane's guys who I like a lot too is Jackson Dart, the quarterback for Southern Cal. I, I think he's really good. Lincoln Riley's going there. Like people starting to get really hyped up, rightfully so. Um, but like it, I don't know, part of me is like, is Lincoln Riley going to come in and want his guy? I want someone else. Like I'm kind of scared about that. I, I don't know if either of you have any insight, but I have some fear that maybe his value is pe- peaking here. Um, I, I, there's obviously upside for more if he starts and is really good in Lincoln Riley's offense, like sky's the limit. Uh, but I have some fear that maybe what if he doesn't? And then we kind of, he transfers around and we lose him. Like it, it might be, that might be value. You're never getting back. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, how about you, Kevin? Yeah, no, I would say to the big query about the about Jackson Dart is like Malachi Nelson's coming, and there's a chance he could reclassify. So there's something to keep an eye on that. I, I heard that he might be able to reclassify, but uh, you know, for me, my buy is is Pickens, George Pickens. He's always gonna be my buy. I know some people don't like George Pickens, but I think that he could have a very big uh, playoff. And I think that he could come back out. I, and uh, sadly, he's going to maybe do it against Michigan, and that's going to hurt me uh, as a Michigan guy. But I think he could have a big game. And then you're looking at his value jumping up more just based on perceived value, based on a big game, what he does. I still think Pickens can – if he finds a spot, I would love him to go to the Chargers. I'd love him to go to different areas there. Uh, and you could see his value kind of rise. I think he's going to be a very, very good second-round pick in, in drafts. Uh, and if he falls that low – because we were talking about him as being, in some circles, wide receiver one. Uh, now, my sell is Devin Chain from Texas A&M. I, I'm not as high on, on him as I think others are. Uh, I, I, don't, I just don't see it with the size. And I'm just going to be very – and I think LJ Johnson is going to get a lot of run in that offense. I think it's going to be more than what people think. Uh, so I, I'm going to sell him based on I think people think he's going to be the heir apparent to Spiller. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's very valuable, and I think he's a great C2C asset. I just don't look at him as a Debbie asset, and I, don't, I just don't think I'm not. My unknown – I guess, you know, I, I just don't know what to do with this kid because I love him to death, but he does have the size issue too. It's Jalen Knighton from Miami. I talked about him a couple of years ago. I drafted him in the C2C league that we're all in the program when he was coming in as a freshman. Um, I was really high on him. 
He looked good last year when he got the volume. He runs hard. His size, can he continue to do that for the entire season? I think this is a massive season for his value, and it can go all over the ways, especially with Cristobal being there. That offense has not been great for running backs. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. So Jalen kind of to me now is a very toss-up to me based on value. It could go one or two ways. No, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, and that cell, another one of those cells actually geared towards me. You know how much I love Devin Chain. I think he's a really, really great player. <laughs> Apparently, every person I like is just going to be sold to me, I guess, which is kind of neat. Um, but that's what we got here today. Kevin, if you want to take a chance to let people know kind of where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find all your work and everything that you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at Du Bois underscore 22. Uh, you know, you can always just find me there. I'm doing a lot of work there. The one thing I will do want to plug real quick is uh, the Fantasy Points Bull Guide. So Fantasy Points has had me me and a couple other guys, Wes Huber and some other guys, write a, a really big bull guide. So we did 42 bull games. We're just doing them as we go because of opt it outs, uh, player props, money line against the spread. We got all of that for you. It's only $25 and there's over 42 games of breakdowns. And I think it's a hell of a value. So if you want to check that out, you can go to fantasypoints.com. It's on their Twitter page as well. Uh, and you can find it on, on my Twitter page as well. And I think it's a good value for people out there that love college football. For sure. So make sure you support everything that Kevin does. Um, he's a great friend of the show. So make sure you support him on behalf of Shane and myself. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single one of you.